We live in a world that loves a great story. And for some of you, you think, like, if people knew my story, like, they would want to make movies. Definitely. Right? If they knew how jacked this whole situation was, they would definitely want to make a movie. And they would definitely cast Brad Pitt to play me or somebody like that, you know, because I'm pretty amazing. But uh, one of the big pictures is we picture in our head all of these things. That, that we love a good story. We love the stories of underdogs making it, right? The stories of the people in, in our world that nobody expected. My, my family and I, we went a couple uh, months ago, I think it was, we went and saw a movie at the wonderful theaters in Tulare where you can recline and eat popcorn from far away, right? I love it, right? And if people have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to like move your knees anymore because you have, I have territory now when I go to the theater. Thank you. I will pay that much to go to a movie occasionally. And so we went and we saw this movie called Eddie the Eagle, right? You guys might have seen the thing, but it's this ski jumper and he's a totally like nerdly little guy from England. Everybody has bad teeth. So just add to it that he had like, he didn't look the part. And the whole story is this underdog who just takes it, takes it, takes it, takes it. And finally, he doesn't win the gold. He barely even makes it there. But he does something that nobody expected him to do. And honestly, I'm sitting there, and I'm in tears. During the It's my story, man, right? I'm little, and I don't have it. I want to just go, and people tell me no. And, like, I'm in it, right? How many of you have ever watched one of those inspirational movies and been like, that's totally my story right there, right? Nobody's responding. How many of you have ever felt that way? Okay, some of you are like hands and legs and arms and right here, right? But that's the truth. We love it. We love to play ourselves into there. One of my favorite favorite stories is, is going through or, or things to do is go through and see the people who made it big that nobody ever expected, right? I love watching now because they're, they're playing back all these things because now American Idol's over and we all cried and had our moment like this and all that stuff, right? And, and uh, as they're going, they're like, how many of the people that tried out for American Idol and never made it are actually now big like music stars? One of them that was really funny to watch was the story of this girl, Tori Kelly, She's got, I'll stand by you. A lot of great songs that she's rocking out to and doing all this stuff. And she's a phenomenal singer. Amazing. And they play this clip where Simon, uh, the judge, you guys know who pop culture. Okay, you're in, right? He goes, your voice is annoying. He's like, I don't know. No, I'm not going to say yes because it's just annoying. I don't want to hear it anymore. Meanwhile, she's nominated for Grammy, super rad, awesome singer, amazing person, singing about God. It's totally cool, a lot of the stuff that she's got going on. And I think back to how many people we can walk through, and I almost, I'm looking back and I'm like, burn, right? We love that feeling of like, burn, right? And then I went back, I had a major flashback moment. I don't know if you guys do this, old people do this, young people, you'll get there. But I'm remembering the early 90s, there was a movie changed my world. I got a clip from it because it changed my world. And some of you will start crying when you watch this because it changed your world too. Oh, wasn't that good? Some of you are like, why did you have to stop it? The best parts are coming. <laughs> Credits even. Have you? Okay, so here's one of the things when I was watching that clip and, and getting pumped up because you can't help it, but Rudy, Rudy, right? There's a, in the soundtrack, there's a guy playing tambourine. I don't know if you could detect it in there. 
But Homeboy is playing the tambourine, just going. And I can picture him like watching the screen and like, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it gets more aggressive. And then when he makes the tackle, like, no, this is so rad, right? But that's the way it makes us feel. That's the way it makes us feel when we see those things. And we love those stories and we love those pictures. And here's what happens a lot of the time. We forget that we love those stories and that everybody in the world loves those stories when we get to church. Because when we say God wants to use you, what we do is we go, well, not me, really. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to use me. Because really, I've got another video clip of how most of us see Jesus speaking to his disciples and how we see ourselves, okay? So most of us, when you hear me say, God wants to use you, this is kind of the picture we run through in our heads of Jesus talking and, and really encouraging people. So check this one. But it really, that's what we do. We picture like, oh, he's gonna, he knows all my sins. He's going to call me out. Like he saw the thing that I did and the thing that I thought. And oh man, maybe he doesn't want to use me anymore. Maybe this doesn't work. Maybe I'm not in the right place. Maybe blah, 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 blah. What we do is we know that everybody loves the underdog story. We know that everybody loves the idea that God uses the unlikely people. If you're not sure and you're not uh, picturing with me, who is unlikely in the Bible? Okay, so let's start. I just kind of made a list, right? You realize Noah in the whole last portion of his story was drunk a good portion of the time. Okay. Abraham, he was too old, couldn't do anything. Isaac was a total daydreamer. Uh, Jacob was a liar and a thief. Leah was ugly. Come on, you're supposed to laugh at that. She was. Like the Bible really says she was a bucket of yuck. It's kind of sad. Um, Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Remember, he's threshing wheat in the bottom of the wine press, which doesn't really work, but he was trying anyway. Uh, Samson had long hair and he was a womanizer. So if you're against long hair and that kind of thing, then, but, but he also thought the ladies were pretty cool. And, and it's pretty shocking. Some of the stuff you're like, really God, you use that guy. What about Rahab? She was a prostitute. Now check this out. Rahab, people don't like connect the dots. Prostitute means a person who sleeps with with people for money. That's the job. And she actually did it more than once or twice because they said that was her job. That's what she was known for. Okay? So she was probably, I don't know, she might have been pretty good at her job. But there was somehow, she scored big penthouse that put up the people that were hiding. Now, don't ask me how they knew to go to that house to hide. But that was part of the story. We kind of sanitize all this. She was the prostitute. You know, it's different back then. No, it's the same still gross. Okay. So let's go to Rahab. Now let's think about this. She was married to a guy named Salmon, which is weird, but that's okay. Cause he married a prostitute. That just adds to the whole mystique of the story. Their son's name was Boaz. Anybody ever heard of Boaz? Right. And there's that whole thing of uh, you want to marry a Boaz, but I'm not going to repeat the whole poem that goes with that. But then there's Ruth and Boaz getting married. And out of that line, from a prostitute, a prostitute, comes a pretty famous dude, Jesus. Pretty big deal. So when we think of God using people that are unlikely, let's think about Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah, would, they said Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. They talk about that quite regularly. Jeremiah was a young prophet. The other thing was Jeremiah was severely depressed like all the time. You read the book of Jeremiah, it's like reading the story of Eeyore with Bible attached, with God attached to it, right? Oh, well, we're all going to die, right? <laughs> this guy, like if they were now, they would put him in a place and medicated and the whole thing because he was depressed all the time. How can God use somebody who's got depression? God can use you. God can use you. If that's your brokenness, if that's your thing, if that's the thing that God has you in the middle of for whatever reason, God can use you. He does mighty things. Timothy, again, was too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. What? Elijah was suicidal? Yeah. Remember he sat under a tree and said, I'm the only one left. Why don't you kill me now? Like, kind of a big deal. Then you get to Isaiah. He preached naked one time. Pretty rat. Not going to try it, but sounds cool. <laughs> Definitely have to be doing more CrossFit. But um, <clears throat> let's think of Jonah. He was running from God. Let's think of Naomi. She was a widow. A lot of people already, well, I'm not married. I'm single. I'm a little bit older. God must not be have a plan. I don't know what I can do now. It's not true. Think of the, the continuing the story. Job went bankrupt like multiple times, lost everything, including the family. John the Baptist ate bugs. That was weird. Peter denied Christ. That's probably the pinnacle of like, yeah, you've hung out with a dude for three years and now you're just going to deny him. It's pretty bad. Okay. Like, if you think you've done a lot of bad things, why don't you just cruise around with the guy for three years, see all the mighty deeds, and then go, I don't know who you're talking about. That guy's weird. What about uh, the disciples? They fell asleep while they were supposed to be praying. Pretty important moment in Jesus' life. Martha worried about everything all the time. The Samaritan woman was divorced like 148 times. Zacchaeus was too small. I identify with that guy. Paul was too religious. Timothy had ulcers. Who knew, right? And Lazarus, he was probably the most jacked up of everybody. He was dead. Okay, so let's clarify. Everybody take a big, deep breath real quick. Yep, good enough to be used by God. If God can use a dead dude, he can use us. The big picture that God is saying to us is, I want you. I want you to make my name great. I want to use you to glorify who I am, give honor to who I am, and, and speak life into the people around you seven days a week, not just one day, two hours and a half a week. I want it happening all the time. That your, my name would be on your lips, that you would be proclaiming my greatness. I'm going to point us to a section of scripture. People are like, he's not even using the Bible tonight. That's weird, crazy. I'm going to put you to a section of scripture and we're going to read this. You don't have to read it out loud, but I will read it from the screen. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Let's hold on. I'm going to do it different this week. So I'm going to declare this over us, over all of us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Whether you came to Jesus when you were 3, 5, 7, 9, 19, 22, 33, or anything there in between. 
You were dead in your transgressions. Your sin had made you dead and you were blind to God at some point in your life. Carrying on. As for you, you were dead in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the king of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So let's be clear again. Those who are not following God do have a spirit at work in them. Typically, they make themselves God. When you hear somebody go, well, I think that gets real dangerous. I want to know what the word has to say. I want to know what Jesus has to say about that. I want to know what God says about that. Because when you are far from God, there is still a spirit at work in and through you. You don't own yourself. Something owns you. Something will always own you. If you think you're a self-made person, then you're owned by something other other than God. And that's a scary place to be. Continuing on. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following in the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature by nature deserving of wrath. So again, clarifying who we are. We are all broken people, all with our own way apart from God, all in trouble, all deserving wrath by the very nature of being human and being born. You have in your head this idea that when you were born, you were a perfect little creation and it was everybody around you that messed you up. And because you got toilet trade wrong, that's why you do the things you do wrong by nature. Being born into this world, you were broken and deserving of wrath. Crazy, hard to swallow. That's the fact. Then he goes on to say, but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Just soak that one up. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Even when we were in the middle of doing something wrong, he calls us out. He chooses us. He selects us and he says, come home. I was listening to the testimony of a pastor that I really enjoy listening to. And I shared this with a couple guys this week. And just as an encouragement, I have a friend very specifically that we've been praying for like multiple members of his family. And I shared this with him. He said, I was far from God. I was running away from God. I was declaring that I was against God. I had so many questions. There were so many things unanswered in my head. If you had asked me, why aren't you a Christian? I would say, because I have a list of like 58 questions that have to be answered before I ever come to Christ. He said, but I went to church with a friend crazily. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't know why I was uh, allowing myself into the doors and doing this thing. I thought I was coming there to mock God. And without answering one of my questions, God called me home. He said, all I knew is I walked in that room and I sat down and I started hearing the message. And this God that I had come to mock, I all of a sudden began to love. And my heart was pumping with the love of an almighty God for an almighty God. And with zero of my questions answered, I came running home to the Lord because he by his grace, had 
called me home. He's made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, and it's by grace we have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now here's the text I want you to start picking up on for it is grace by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works that anyone could boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If anybody ever asks you, why do you go to that church out in the middle of the orchard there? Why do you do that? One, you can say because it's super awesome. But secondly, what I want you to tell people is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 can explain everything. Because I was once dead in my transgressions. On my own and even with Christ, I do some stupid, stupid stuff. But by his grace, he's called me home and he's welcomed me in. And he not only has covered me, but he's given me a new life and a new heart and new passion. So in our culture, we get this idea that if we were more famous then God could really use us. Or if we were more put together and more financially secure, then God could use us. Or if we were more directly connected to what was going on in the body life of church and able to serve communion and stuff like that, then, then it would all make sense. Here's what I'm here to tell you. God loves the underdog. He loves the unlikely. He loves using the unlikely. You may look in the mirror like me and go, huh? One day I did one of those, no, one, one month, I did the no shave November, like two years ago. I'm a hideous man with facial hair. I recognize this because one morning I got up, it was like 4, 35 o'clock in the morning, partly because my beard was itching, right? And I remember I looked, I washed my face and I looked up and I was like, who are you? right? Like I just started to look at myself like, ugh, ugh, right? And there's those moments where we look in ourselves. Don't catch yourself like cruising by the full length mirror unless you're like super fit person to be like, hello, right? But for most of us, it's like, oh my God, don't go by there, right? <laughs> and what we look at is we see something different than what he sees. No, he doesn't look at you and go, hey, you, supermodel right? That's not me. But what he does see is you. I've called you. I want to use you because nobody expects it out of you. Nobody expects you to walk in and the room to change because you're filled with me. Nobody expects you to be so incredibly kind and loving no, nobody expects you to be caring in this way. Nobody expects you to give even when they know you're broke. Nobody expects that. So I'm going to use you. I'm going to let you do some amazing things. And then they can't help but give me all the glory because they know it's not you. 
So here's what I'm here to share with us as a church tonight. We all love the underdog. Most of us feel like when we read the Bible, Jesus is looking at us like you. You drank too much wine. Not, not too much, just enough to make me angry. You, you said that word. You, you said the thing that I can't say because, well, I'm Jesus, right? We hear that. We see that. When we look at ourselves through the eyes of Christ, we see, oh, he must see that I am broken and destroyed. So he doesn't, how can he use this? But let me give you a picture of what this really, really, really looks like. In my life, I came to the Lord early on in my experience of life, like five years old. I remember praying in my bed with the red bedspread cover with my mom saying, I want to receive Jesus. It was super cool. Great experience. But I had to live that out. And I don't have a lot of big stories to tell you. And I don't have that day while, you know, I was under the bridge with, you know, shooting something up and Jesus revealed himself. Some people have that. I don't. I have. I was born practically in the church and now here I am. Praise God. But, but here's why. When he looks at you, he doesn't see the things that you see. Chad, can I use you just for a minute? You can come up here. This is my Chad. My, my Chad. This is my Chad. <laughs> can you come up here? That's, a, that's already, I should just openly hug you now, but I won't do that to you. Okay, so this is, this is Chad. Okay, he's got a great beard, even though his wife doesn't approve of it all the time. Um, we were working through that, but it is still really cool. But um, Chad makes nacho cheese and puddings, and uh, you can talk to him more about that. Anytime you've eaten Taco Bell nacho cheese, this guy has made it. It's pretty amazing, phenomenal. I, some of you are like, wow, he's got great stories about people down in a whole bag at a time, which is disgusting. Okay, back to the point at hand. Sorry, just seeing you throws me into a whole nother orbit. Here's, here's what this is. Let's allow Chad to be the example of Christ. Okay? When I come to salvation in Christ, this is what most of us see. Okay, I'm going to hang out really close to you. And we're going to walk along. That's nice. Doesn't that feel pretty good? Like, if I say anything smart off to people, this guy's going to protect me. Right? If I say anything or do anything that I shouldn't, he's going to say, whoa, 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 he's mine. I got him. Don't worry about it. Right? pretty good picture. It's not the Bible. It's not what salvation is. Salvation is not hanging out close to Jesus arm in arm. We're not going to do that. (laughs) It's not. This is what it says. When you receive Christ, you are covered in Christ. You are a new creation. He no longer sees you. He sees the son. So realistically, if you'll stand here, this is more like what people see. Now, here's my problem. Hi, I'm so rad and cool and awesome. I like to poke my head out. And I like the people to see, like, don't forget, I'm back here. Just letting you know. Super cool guy right here behind the Jesus. Our salvation is to be covered in Christ. Our salvation is to be hidden in Christ. When God sees us, he no longer sees us. Who does he see? His son. And so he's sending his son when he's sending me. He's not, he doesn't care about what I have because I'm covered in his son. But you don't understand, I'm so broken and messed up. I don't even see you, dude. Just keep praying. 
Okay, I can do that. But, but I don't have all the skills. Would you stop sticking your head out? We're sick of seeing you. Okay, you guys get that? And so when we say we're an unlikely people, it's no joke. We're totally unlikely to be used by God. But because we're covered in Christ, we have the ability to be Christ to this world. We have the ability to go and do good, not because I would do good, but because he is in the way. And that's why in Romans, what it says, if I would be lifted up above the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's what he said. That's what he proclaimed. Lift me up. Make me great. Stop sticking your head and arms and legs out from behind. And let me be God and you be my people. Be seven days a week followers of Christ. And let's do this the way we're meant to do this. Thank you, Chad, very much. You can go back and be unawkward now. I want to pray for you and we're going to wrap up tonight. Just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to take a minute just to stop and reflect. Just give yourself a moment to to answer the question for yourself. Have I ruled myself out because of my brokenness? Have I decided that I love what the Bible has to say about people doing amazing things for Christ, but that couldn't be me because you know what you look like in the mirror? Have you found yourself in a place where you're sticking arms and legs and hands out from behind the shield of Christ? And you found yourself feeling very alone and very uncomforted and very lost and very broken. If that's the place you find yourself, let me give you some words from the Lord. He says, you are mine. You are my treasured possession. You may look like an underdog to this world, but in my world, I created you for such a time as this. You may have been broken. You may have been beaten down. You may have been pushed aside. You may feel like all that people can see is the places where you've done wrong or you've not measured up. But you are mine and you are hidden in my son. So here's what I want to proclaim tonight. God is among us. And God is covering you and he's calling you and sending you out to change things in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your work. And he doesn't want you to stay where you've been. If you're here tonight and you have never experienced allowing Christ to fully cover you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment, but I want to make this a double effect. Because we're just going to take a moment where it's just you and God and just praying to Him and just giving Him space to operate and work in your life. And it looks like this. 
If you're a believer, if you've been one that's been following Christ for a long time in your life and you found your place at the foot of the cross and you said a long time ago, I want to be covered in Christ, but you have noticed yourself sticking arms and legs and getting really freaked out by looking around and seeing what's around you or looking at the mirror and saying, I'm not good enough, then I want you to submit to the authority of God in your life and allow him to begin the process of using you in a different way. And in these moments, just when it's you in your space, it would look like this, saying, God, you know where I'm at. You know my fears, my anxieties, and my frustrations. I want to be available to you. I want to be used by you. You're going to have to show me and give me the ability to be brave enough to take these things on. And secondly, if you're realizing tonight that you have never asked Christ to fully cover you, then tonight's your time and this is your place and this is your opportunity where you say, God, be my God and I will be yours and I will follow you all the days of my life. Cleanse me of all the broken places. Restore my heart and be my God. In these moments, would you take your own prayer to the Lord himself and let him begin the work in you. I can't do it. Only he can. So I give you that space. Just pray and in your own words. God, here I am. This is my heart.